Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from one of our pastors. All right, well, Merry Christmas. If you don't know me, my name is Austin Cooper, and I am the outreach pastor here at Greenwood Baptist Church. And hey, real quick, I want to set something straight, okay? We have all the donuts and coffee you could ever want over here at the donut uh, stand. We also have Krispy Kreme donuts stand, uh, on different tables. And I saw a couple people walk in, and they shouted tears of joy when they saw the Krispy Kreme. But let me tell you what that actually is for. So for the past 12 years, our church has taken every Christmas Eve and Christmas morning and dropped off Krispy Kreme donuts to people having to work on Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. And it's our way to tell them, hey, there is a God and that he loves you very much. And we wanted to display that to you in a practical way today. And so this Christmas, we weren't going to just cancel that because we had service. And so what we have is out there, we have on every single Krispy Kreme donut box, a business with the address that will be open and their employees will be working. And what we're encouraging you and your family to do is to take one or several boxes to those businesses, drop those donuts off, and just say, hey, we just wanted to show you that God loves you in a practical way. So if you're eating the Krispy Kreme, one of our volunteers is going to come by, slap your hand, and uh, I'm sorry about that, but all the other donuts you can have. So today we will be in Luke chapter 2 talking about Christmas, and uh, we're going to just kind of go through Luke chapter 2 and see three main things that we're going to point out today in Luke chapter 2. The first thing is this, that Christmas was foretold. The second thing is that Christmas reveals the true nature of Jesus. And the third thing will be that Christmas sets the stage for the cross. And so if you guys will open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, we will start in verse 1 and read through verse 7. And if you'll please stand with me in honor of reading of God's word. This is the account of the birth of Jesus. And it says this, it says, At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go through Bethlehem to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. May God add blessing to his word. You may be seated. And so our first point here is that Christmas was foretold. You know, this is a, a very common story now that we hear a lot of times, especially around Christmas. But one of the things that jumped out to me when I read this story is this is not just kind of a, a random occurrence of, of Mary and Joseph having to go to Bethlehem and then baby Jesus comes. No, all of this was planned. All of this was foretold by God centuries and millennia ago. In fact, I would argue that even before the foundation of the earth was laid, this was in the plan, not only for Jesus to come, but specifically for him to be born of a virgin, to be born in Bethlehem. This was all foretold. 
You know, in Luke chapter 1, we see this, uh, this prophecy that is very, very um, popular. We read it all the time around Christmas, and it's found in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And this is probably the most famous passage that we can point back to as proof that the Christmas story was in the mind of God the entire time. And it is proof that all of these prophecies that are about Christmas were written before Jesus came. Because Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus came. In fact, we even know through the Dead Sea Scrolls that all, uh, most of Isaiah was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and they are able to point to the accuracy of almost every single word of Isaiah. And so when we read Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which says this, All right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which, God, which means God is with us. And so I take comfort in this, knowing that this was planned 700 years ago. This was written down 700 years before Jesus came to this earth, that God had a plan. It was foretold. And then Isaiah tells us that God will come as a baby. He will be among us. He will be Emmanuel, God with us. And I like this because, man, if you are a skeptic or maybe an atheist, you have to do something with this. Like if you're a Christian, this should embolden your faith. This should empower you to believe that God's word is true. It is accurate. That 700 years before Jesus even came, Isaiah prophesied that he would be born of a virgin. And it came true. And like I said, if you're an atheist or agnostic, you have to do something with this. Like it's proven that this was written before Jesus came. You have to do something with this. This is foundational to our trust that the Bible is true and that Jesus was exactly who he claimed to be. And if this was the only prophecy that kind of showed that, we could still trust the Bible, but it's not. God in Luke chapter 2, he's kind of showing off here at this point. Because this is what God tells us through other prophets, specifically Micah and some other ones. He says this, he says that the Messiah would be from Nazareth, but born in Bethlehem, yet be called out of Egypt. And so you're like, what in the world? Like, how is this all going to work? And this was all written before Jesus was born. And then we look at Luke chapter 2, and we see how it's all working together. The census that Augustus um, had for everyone to go register in their hometown, this was all foretold. This was all a plan that God had foretold for the Messiah to be born in Bethlehem. And so Mary and Joseph, they leave Nazareth and they go to Bethlehem because, Dave, uh, because Joseph is in the line of David. And David's hometown was in Bethlehem. And then Mary, I, I don't think that they were planning on having this baby in Bethlehem. I, I assume you would want to have the baby in your hometown. <laughs> but she's there, she can't find lodging, and she has the baby in a manger in Bethlehem. And all of this was foretold. You know, this is kind of God's birth plan for the Christmas story. And I don't know about you guys, if you've had a baby, typically you have a birth, what's called a birth plan. 
which is kind of, you know, saying like, hey, this is exactly how we want our birth to look. If this happens, this is what, this is what I want you to do. These are the exact pillows and blankets that I want you to bring. This is where we're going to have our baby. This is what's going to look like. So when my wife was pregnant with our middle child, we had a very detailed birth plan. We were going to, or she was going to give birth in Fort Worth at a, what was called the Fort Worth Birthing Center, and uh, we had it all planned out. She told me my only job was to r- grab her pillow and the correct blanket. All right, that's all I had to do. And I was like, okay. But we had it planned out where we were going to have snacks in the car. We were going to get there. We had everything that we were going to eat afterwards. We had the photographer lined up. We had a doula. We had everything according to this plan. Well, a week before uh, my wife was due with our middle child, Ezra, we had an appointment And at the appointment, the doctor looked at her and was basically like, "Uh, you're not having this baby anytime soon. And by the way, if you go over 42 weeks of pregnancy, you're going to have to be induced in in Harris Hospital or wherever it was. And so we're like, okay, okay, that's that's fine, no problem. From the second she ended that sentence that you are nowhere close to being due to when Ashley gave birth, it was two hours. So our birth plan completely went out the window. I mean, you've seen the movies. Almost everyone tell you, oh, it's nothing like the movies. This was exactly like the movies. I had my flashers on going down I-30, going 100 miles per hour. You know, we actually try to check into a Motel 6 because they tell you all the time, you think you're having the baby, you're not. You think you're, you're going into labor, you're actually not. So we're in Motel 6 right there off I-30. I'm calling the birthing center like, hey, I think my wife's about to have this baby. No, sir, we just saw you. See, she's still at least a couple weeks away. And I put my phone up to her, and they're like, you're having that baby. You better get here quick. And we get there, and I'm like, oh, I forgot my pillow and the blanket. You know, that's the one thing that my wife told me to grab. And they're like, sir, if you go to the car, you're going to miss this baby. And there he was. He was born just like 20 minutes after we got to the birthing center. And it was a beautiful time, but nothing went according to plan. We had to throw our plan completely out. But again, what we see here in Luke chapter 2 is that although it seems kind of chaotic, although it seems kind of random, all of this was according to God's exact plan. For Jesus to be born in Bethlehem, and for him, ultimately, to die for the sins of the entire earth. You know, we've been going over in our small group the unlikeliness or, or kind of the, the, what it would be like for someone to fulfill all of these prophecies from the Old Testament, for them to be able to kind of see all the prophecies and be able to fulfill it. And someone gave us kind of a, a picture that I think is really beautiful. It is if you uh, laid over the entire state of Texas— quarters that were a foot deep. Jesus fulfilling all of the Old Testament prophecies would be like, for, like you having to find one of those quarters which was flipped upside down in the entire state of Texas, with, which was covered a foot deep in quarters. And so Jesus, this is highly, highly unlikely that all this would just come into being without God directing it. This birth in Bethlehem, from Nazareth, but called out of Egypt. So you might be like, well, I'm not sure if this is exactly, you know, I don't know if people understood that this is what was going to happen in the Old Testament. I don't know about the prophecies. Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 2 in the, another account. Uh, this is about when Jesus was around two years old. 
It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? You see, even King Herod, he knew that the prophecies had told where the Messiah would be born. Verse 5, in Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote, in you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. So again, we see that Christmas was foretold. So what does that mean for us? How do we take encouragement in the fact that Christmas was foretold? Well, I will tell you that I think that one of the things that the enemy is doing to us, especially as Christians in today's day and age, is we kind of look at the past. We look at some past maybe bygone eras, and we're like, man, I wish I was a part of that decade. Or man, I wish we could just go back to the 50s. Or I wish we could just be a part of the good old days. And there's kind of a, an apathy for living in the here and now because all that is going on around us. And what I take comfort in this is that God had a plan for Christmas. God foretold Christmas. And what we also can understand and know is that God has a plan for our life right here and right now. In this day and age, where we live right here and right now. In Acts chapter 17, verse 26 through 27, Paul is speaking to people in Athens, and he's going to argue that God has placed every single person where they live for a reason in their own boundaries. In verse 26 of Acts 17, it says this, From one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. You see what this is saying is that just like Jesus, or the birth of Jesus was foretold and it was supposed to happen in a certain place, God has appointed you to live where you live, at least right now, for the glory of himself. For him to put you at your workplace, at your city, in your home, with your family. You are where you are supposed to be if you're following God's will. And he has placed you in 2022. He didn't place you in 1940. He didn't place you back in the first century. He placed you here now so that you could follow his plan that he has foretold before the beginning of time for your life to bring him glory, and to lead other people to Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says this, For we are God's masterpiece. He has cre created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the things, the good things, that he planned for us long ago. 
You know, sometimes we get kind of wigged out when we're talking about kind of predestination or God foreknowing something or having a plan for our life that is even written before we were born. But I think if you actually think about it, it becomes very comforting that Jesus has, or God has placed you in this time period, in this nation, in this state, in this county, and he has not only placed you here, he has actually prepared the good works that you will do ahead of time so that you can walk in them. That should be incredibly encouraging, that if you are following God's plan, if you are getting in his word, if you are understanding his will for your life and you are meeting with other believers and being discipled, God has prepared a plan for you and he has already set it before you and all you have to do is walk in it. God has prepared the good works that we are to walk in long ago. A cool example of this is Queen Esther in the Old Testament. She was a, 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 she was a Jewish woman, but she finds herself winning a beauty pageant, basically, and becoming the queen of Persia. And there was a, a man named Haman who was trying to destroy the Jewish people in the kingdom. And he has the king basically make a decree that anyone who wanted to basically exterminate a Jewish person, there was going to be a time and a day that they could go do that, and the Jewish people weren't even allowed to defend themselves. And so here we are, Queen Esther, who is a Jewish woman. I don't think the king even knew that at the time. And she's in this position in order to save her people. But in chapter 4, she starts saying like, oh, I don't know, maybe I should just kind of stay quiet. Maybe I, I shouldn't tell the king who I am or what I am. And her uncle, Mordecai, kind of lightly rebukes her and shows her, listen, God has preplanned all of this. And he says this to Queen Esther in verse 14 of chapter 4 of Esther. He says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. I love that part because he's also saying, listen, God has a plan for us and God's plan is not going to be thwarted even if you choose not to do this. God will decide to save us. And he continues, he says, but, if, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Again, what I take comfort with the Christmas story is that it was all foretold, that it was all pre-planned, and all of it worked according to God's purpose, and that we also live lives where God has planned every step for us. And if we walk in those good works that he has planned for us, if we follow his plan for our lives, we will experience him in a way that we never could have dreamed of. And we will bring glory to him. You know, sometimes I think we look at the picture of the manger and the, the kind of nice dressed up donkeys and all that kind of stuff. And we think, man, I wish I could be there at the very first Christmas. But I hope this is encouraging to you that Jesus, God doesn't want you at the first Christmas. He wants you here today at the Christmas of 2022. The second thing is this, is that Christmas shows us the true nature of Jesus. 
You know, what's funny about having kids is sometimes you can see, like, who they're going to be from day one. And so what I mean by that is, like, my middle child, who I've already referenced, like, he's going to do what he wants to do and when he wants to do it. And there's no talking him out of it. And we could see that, like the birth story I just shared, we could see that from day one. Like, he was going to come when he wanted to. There was no talking him out of it. He's stubborn. He's hard-headed. He's very, very resilient in that way. And you will not talk him out of anything. And I think maybe you think about your own kids. You've seen probably personality traits that you saw even when they were a young child. In fact, my youngest daughter, she anytime heard music, even in uh, Ashley, my wife's womb, she would jump around and and start getting kind of crazy. And now when we play Frozen for her or whatever movie she's watching, when the music comes on, she starts jumping around and going kind of crazy. A lot of times we can see certain truths about character even in kids when they're very, very young. And when we look at Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 20, we'll read that there's a lot of worship and glory going around Jesus. And it's showing that although he was born in kind of a a lowly way, he was king the entire time. And so let's pick up in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angels reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Verse 15, When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard about the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And so all this worship and all this glory around Jesus' birth, it tells us something. It tells us that Jesus was who he is today and who he has always been, even when he was a baby. You know, typically there's kind of like a, a superhero narrative that we watch, whether it's a Marvel movie or it's, it's a Superman or, or really anything. Whenever there is a superhero, typically you see kind of something kind of happening around their birth. But what happens? Usually they have to kind of figure out that they are the superhero. 
And they kind of have to gain their talents and gain their strength. And when they're children, usually they kind of figure out that they can do certain things that other kids can't. And then they get a little bit older, and usually their enemy defeats them at the beginning, and then they grow stronger and stronger, and then they are able to defeat the enemy, and then they become super, uh, Superman or Superwoman or, or, or any of the Marvel movies that we watch. Well, that was not the case with Jesus. Jesus was exactly who he is today. The second he was born, the everlasting and and eternity uh, past, he became God in the flesh. He did not have to grow into his power. He did not have to grow into being deity or being God. He was God in the flesh, even in the manger. And that makes it all that more powerful, the fact that he gave up all of his, he didn't cling to his equality with God. He didn't see that as something to lord over us. He humbled himself even to the point of being born in a, in a feeding trough in a small town in Bethlehem. And we read in Philippians chapter 2, Paul speaking about Jesus' humility And he says this, we'll start in verse 4 of Philippians chapter 2. He says, Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father." You see, Jesus humbled himself when he came as a baby, and his humility stayed consistent throughout his adult ministry. You know, you think of even his death on the cross. That was a very humble way to die. That was a, that was a, a criminal's death. And I think that you can kind of compare and contrast uh, even the, the triumphal entry that happened a week before the cross where Jesus is coming in and it says lowly, sitting on a donkey. Yes, donkeys were for kings, but you contrast that to a Roman emperor or a Roman king coming back from war, and there is a lot of hoopla, there's a lot of festivals, there's gold being thrown around, there's, there's whatever prisoners that they have being taken with them, and, and people are cheering for their great victory. But we see Jesus in, on Palm Sunday coming lowly, on a donkey, although he is still king. And so again, we see Jesus that he is humbling himself, he is making himself poor, yet he is still very powerful. He's becoming lowly, yet he is still king. And we see this in the birth story of Christ, that he, his true nature was seen even when he was laying in that manger, that he was 100% man, but 100% God at the same time. He himself says that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. 
And I think that we can see that in the Christmas story. The third and last thing is this, that the Christmas story sets the stage for the cross. And so in Luke chapter 2, verse 25 through 35, we see Jesus. He's eight days old now. His parents have taken him to the temple. Um, and there's a man named Simeon in the temple. And we'll pick up um, there in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. It says this. It says, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now you can let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is glory, the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, to, uh, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. See, a lot of times we look at the Christmas story and we kind of keep Jesus there in the manger. But the Christmas story sets the stage for the cross. And when Simeon looks at the eight-day-old baby Jesus, he doesn't see a baby he sees the Messiah. He sees the Savior that had come for all of humanity. And he prophesies not just about Christmas. He prophesies about the cross. And I like that Simeon, he was looking for the Messiah to kind of free the Israelites from the Roman captivity. But when he saw Jesus, he realized that it was so much bigger than just that. Did you catch verse 30? It says, I have seen your salvation. In verse 31, it says, which you have prepared, again, prepared. God foreknew he prepared all of this for all people. You see, although Christmas gives us kind of warm and fuzzy feelings, and we love to come celebrate Christmas with family, and it really is truly one of the best times of the year, Christmas means nothing without the cross. That Christmas was the precursor to the cross, that Jesus loved us enough, that God loved us enough to become human in the form of a baby. But ultimately, the plan all along was for Jesus to live a sinless life, to die on the cross for the sins of the entire world, for your sins, for my sins, and to come back to life three days later, defeating death, so that we may gather together today and celebrate his birth, because ultimately his birth led to his death and his resurrection. So the question is this, just like Simeon said in verse 30, I have seen your salvation. My question to you today is this, have you seen Jesus' salvation? Have you, partake, or have you taken hold of what Jesus is offering you? 
not just through his birth, but through his death and his resurrection. You know, Romans 3.23 is very clear that we have all sinned and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says that it is the wages of that sin that lead to death. But at the end of that verse, it says the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So here in a second, I'm going to give you an opportunity to see the salvation that Simeon got to prophesy about, that we get to look back on and say, Jesus was born for us. He came for us. He lived a perfect life for us. He died on the cross for our sins. He resurrected again three days later. And I want to take or put my faith in that kind of Jesus. Here in a second, I'm going to give you an opportunity to put your faith in Jesus. So if I could have every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're out there today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity to. Like I just referenced, the Bible is very clear that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the Bible says that God loved us enough to send Jesus. That's what we're celebrating today. That Jesus grew up living a perfect life and died on the cross for our sins. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you confess with your mouth, that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So if you've never put your trust in Jesus and you would like to today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you can pray this prayer with me. It's a simple model prayer inviting Jesus to come into your heart and to become your Lord and your Savior. So if that's for you, you can pray with me right now. God, I realize that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. God, I believe that you love me enough to send Jesus to this earth. God, I believe that he lived a perfect, sinless life. That he died on the cross for my sins. And that he came back to life three days later. Jesus, I'm asking you to come into my heart to forgive me of my sins, to become my Savior and my Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just said that prayer for the first time, inviting Jesus into your heart, will you just indicate that by looking up at me? If you just said that prayer for the first time, will you just indicate that by looking up at me? I see If that was something that you just did, we would love to hear from you. We would love to help you in your walk and and understanding what it means to look more and more like Jesus. On the board behind me, there is a QR code or or a number that you can text, and you can simply just say, saved to that number. And we would love to get in contact with you and help you understand what it looks like to follow Jesus. If you'd like to join our church, 
become a member of our church, you can do that through this forum as well. Or in the bulletin you were given, there's a QR code for that as well. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have announcements, and then we'll be dismissed. Lord, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for this reminder that, God, that Christmas was foretold, that you had a plan not only for the birth of Christ, but also for his death and his resurrection, so that we might be able to take a place in your kingdom, that we may be able to be saved, God. Lord, I pray for our church. I pray that as a church that shows the humility that Christ took upon himself, yet we have the power of the Holy Spirit to glorify you in all we do. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.